Welcome to Starve the Doubts. This is your host, Jared. It's a pleasure to have another episode, and we got some good stuff coming up. We've got the kings of podcasting. That's Cesar Abid, Dustin Hartzler, and Peter Adal. And they're going to talk about what it takes to get started. I'm really excited to talk to these guys and connect with them. I met them at New Media Expo this past January. They have great ideas, great insights, so it's awesome to share that with you. And then also the interview with Joy Grobelby. Who is Joy? She serves as the artist manager for Ken Davis and New York Times bestselling author Michael Hyatt. That's right. Joy knows about building a platform, and she's going to give us some insights today. also have some listener questions and then a recording from Travis. I read his email in the last podcast, Travis Robbins. So got some exciting stuff coming up, and I'm thrilled to share it with you today. We're going to kick off with the kings of podcasting, go into the interview with Joy Grobelby, and then do the wrap-up at the end. Hi, Jared. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm Cesar Bade, and I'm the host of the Construction Industry Podcast, and uh, and that you know, and I'm also the project manager for our small family company called Renan Tech here in Canada. We we install and maintain construction cameras, basically, and we make time lapse videos of construction projects, and we we do a little bit of project management for construction projects as well. And uh, my story doing my own thing was, uh, you know, I grew up in, in Brazil in the 1980s with an entrepreneur father. And so, uh, translation, very rocky childhood when it comes to, to money and stability. And, um, and so I just grew up very uh, opposed to starting my own business and to, to, to be an entrepreneur. All I wanted was a cushy, safe job uh, where I wouldn't have to worry about getting clients and, and all that. And uh, it turns out that we, after we moved to Canada, long story short, we moved to Canada, and my dad started a business. And right as I was leaving university, um, graduating as an electrical engineer, he was able to offer me a job uh, with the company that he was starting. And uh, I thought about it a long while and decided to take it. And uh, that was eight years ago, roughly, maybe almost nine years ago. And um, and and for the for, for a long time, I treated that as a job. I, I would come in, do my thing leave and all the entrepreneurial part of things i would just leave it to him and his partner but what happened is in, in 2009 he had a stroke my dad had a stroke and um, and that really was a big wake-up call for me and and i realized that while this business is my livelihood is his family's livelihood as well and now he might not come out of this and and now what you know so that kind of uh, was uh, kick on my behind for me to to start thinking about this, and so I, I started to get more serious about this business aspect of what I was doing, and and I'd say that within a few months, I think I got the entrepreneurial bug, as they say, and um, and I started taking it more seriously, doing more marketing, um, learning about accounting and business, and which led me to think about having a blog. At the time, because that's what everybody was saying, the business businesses should have blogs, and uh, which I did for a little bit, and I didn't have the passion to keep it up. And uh, 
real long story short, I decided to, okay, maybe I should do a podcast for the construction industry because that's my, uh, my target market with, my, with, with our business. And um, that was August of 2011 when I launched. And now I'm uh, into episode 42, 41. Um, of the Construction Industry Podcast, which you can find at constructionindustrypodcast.com. Um, and, and this is basically my my story. How about you, Dustin? Yeah, my story is not quite as long as Caesar's, but uh, I did also start <laughs> out, I guess, let me introduce myself. My name is Dustin Hartzler, and you can find me at yourwebsiteengineer.com. And I have a, a podcast and a blog all about WordPress websites and teaching people how to use WordPress. But my story starts about two and a half, three years ago when I was kind of fed up with my engineering job. I was a corporate engineer for Whirlpool Corporation, and uh we had some transitioning. My wife got a different job in a different area of Ohio. And so we moved and it was always my dream and my passion to start, you know, start my own business. And I was really inspired a lot by podcasting. Podcasting just really opened my eyes. When I graduated from college in 2007, I had the opportunity to have an hour commute each way to and from work based on my living um, circumstances. And so I kind of found podcasting. I kind of fell in love with podcasting and I was all about podcasting. I had the exact same ones. I would listen to on the way to work, on the way home from work, you know, okay, it's Wednesday, the Tuesday's podcast just came out, I'm so excited, you know, all these different things. And when I started my own business, like I knew one thing that I wanted to do was have my own podcast, um, just to help and explain and teach things all about, um, about what I didn't even know what the topic was going to be. And I, I, I came to the conclusion that I have my own website consulting business. So I help people build websites. I, I teach people how to build websites and I do small um, remodels, if you will, for people when it comes to WordPress. But, you know, so I, I'm like, I don't know if I can withstand, you know, coming up with new topics for WordPress every single week. I knew that that was really important. And fast forward to today. In April 2013, I have released 122 episodes all about WordPress. So I'm really excited and I'm really passionate about sharing WordPress and just sharing sharing my heart online. Um, I have a little bit of a radio background that I did while I was in college as well. So this getting in front of the mic each week is almost like a you know it's almost my my thing. I look for I look forward to it each and every week. So that it's kind of a brief story about me. I build websites, I help people with websites, and I podcast about websites. So that is that's my story. You can find me at yourwebsiteengineer.com. All right, my name is Peter Adal, and I'm at 168opportunities.com. And my story is uh, very different than these guys. But about uh, in 2011, my uh, wife and I were expecting to have a baby, and uh, she was pregnant, and she had a miscarriage. Well, that kind of set us back a little bit, but at that time I had applied for life insurance, and I was denied life insurance. And uh, being very young at the time, still am, I guess you could say, uh, it was a very scary moment for us, and we weren't sure what was happening. And we went to the doctor to try to make it short, and he said, yeah, something's going on with your blood. Um, we need to get this checked out. And they said that, you know, we can't, we're not going to necessarily deny you completely for life insurance, but you need to get this checked out. And what happened was there was about a month and a, month and a half there where we were prepared for the fact that you know, I had some sort of illness that was going to be terminal, and it was going to come up, come upon us very quickly. And so, for that month and a half there, it was just a really deep uh, look inside myself and at others, 
who had been in similar situations and realizing that, you know, just because um, something, what, what happens when something happens to you really bad or like you think, or people think it's the end very soon? Well, they stop doing things that they don't like to do and they start doing things they do want to do. And it was during that time where I thought, you know, I don't want to oh, wake up tomorrow and they say, you only have, you know, five weeks, two months, whatever, a year, and to have to change my life dramatically to be doing the things that I love. And so from that, I decided I'm, I'm going to start now. <laughs> I'm not going to wait. And uh, so looking forward, I began to think about, well, what's something I can kind of talk about to help encourage people to pursue the things that they love. And the thing that came out to me was people that I look up to, like Dave Ramsey, Dan Miller, well, pretty much anybody will talk about it, is the fact that you have 168 hours every week. And so that's how I came up with 168 opportunities. And, and so my website and what, my, what, I th what I like to talk about is, you know, finding these opportunities every life to make deposits of success to move ourselves forward pursuing the things that we love. So that's my story. Joy Grobelby serves as artist management for Ken Davis and the New York Times best-selling author Michael Hyatt. You're an entrepreneur and you own two businesses. One of them is the Cupcake Tower, which is the cupcaketower.com. You're a blogger at joyjoyg.com. And if all of that were not enough to keep you busy, you're married, have four children and two dogs whom you're raising and nurturing in the great state of Colorado. Joy, you have a lot going on and it is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Wow, I'm tired just hearing that. That's thank you. That was a nice introduction. You're you're welcome. One of the questions I always ask everybody is what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Well, it's actually two and the reason they were both the best, but they were in the same week. So in the same week I sat seventh row for Pink Floyd and mm. three days later I sat in the ninth row center for the Eagles. It was a wow. very, very good week, yes. All right, so you're a classic rock fan. Oh, I'm an everything fan, but at that point in my life, yeah, it was very classic rock. That was a long time ago. <laughs> What's your favorite Pink Floyd song? Um, I like probably Wish You Were Here, which I think is everybody's favorite Pink Floyd song, but unless it, unless it's money. <laughs> unless it's money. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. I I don't listen to a lot of Pink Floyd anymore, but it was a very good week for concerts for sure. Do you have a favorite Eagle song? Hmm. I don't think I could pick out a favorite. I'm going to pick for you Hotel California. Oh, that's an obvious <laughs> one. Yeah, I was trying to be that stuck in my head. I was trying to be a little more original. Desperado is a good song. I like mm -hmm. Desperado. And I like a lot of Joe Walsh stuff that he did on his own later, you know? Yes. Which is, 
um, which at that concert, he did a few of those songs. So that was cool, too. But Let's go into finish this sentence. I'm just going to give you the beginning of a sentence, and you complete it. It should be pretty painless. The last time that I ordered sushi... It was awesome, and it totally grossed my husband out. <laughs> Why is that? Because he doesn't like it, but I like adore it. it. It was delicious, yes. So is that one of those things where you only do sushi with your friends? Yeah, unfortunately. it's a, That and Indian food is a girls' night out thing because the guys don't go for it so much. Understandable. When, <laughs> when visiting Bass Pro Shop... I head straight to the archery department because I started bow hunting last year for elk, and I'm a little bit addicted right now. So, You are an elk hunter, and you use a bow. Well, well I've been once. <laughs> wow. I don't know if that makes me a real elk, if I can claim that yet. Um, so I didn't get one my first time out, but that was what my husband got me for Christmas. And uh, Ken Davis is a big bow hunter, so he okay. bought me a bunch of gift cards. So I've been at Bass Pro Shop a lot lately trying to act like I know what I'm doing. So, I was not aware of, of that about you or Ken, so that's very interesting. Oh, he's like a rock star. You should, he's got a house here in Colorado um, up in the mountains, and like the whole thing is covered in elk, deer, bear, mountain goats, antelopes, mm. everything. Yeah, he's a huge hunter, always uh, with a bow. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <That's great>. <laughs> <laughs> Tough life. Parents should always... Make their children take naps, even when they get older. What is the age limit there, the cutoff? I don't, I don't know. My oldest is 10, and he takes naps. <laughs> I, always, I always say you can read or you can sleep. It's your choice, and they always sleep. So, obviously, they need naps. <laughs> All right. I'm going to remember that. I have a daughter. She's two and a half. So, when she's 10, hey, read or sleep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One thing that makes me nervous is... Uh, what makes me nervous? My kid, my husband drag races diesel trucks and my kid going to the track with him makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. (laughs) It's not the drag racing itself. It's just that your son is there too. My kid, yeah, on the track, right by the truck. That That makes me nervous. Exactly. (laughs) But I'm I'm glad to hear that he's going to that. That's good for him. Yeah. It's a good dad son time. So. Absolutely. Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh, I love Amazon Prime. It's a little addiction. I'm a, I you know, you can plan a whole party and everything that you'd run around town to get, you just go on Amazon Prime and like 2 days later it's there. It's the best. The best. The best. The best. And of course, we mentioned earlier that you work very closely with Michael Hyatt. So, my favorite Michael Hyatt story is you know, Oh, I don't know if I should tell my favorite Michael Hyatt stories. They might not be public stories. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. I hope I can tell this. I think Use discernment. How many people listen to this? <laughs> Masses. It's the yeah. Internet. It lasts forever. Um, so Michael is not a big sports fan. Like, he has tons and tons of hobbies, and he is well-versed at, Everything. I mean, it's ridiculous. The man has a ton of talents, but sports is not his thing. He doesn't watch sports. He's a runner, but he's not a big sports fan. So we always tease him that whenever he uses sports analogies, they don't ever quite come out right. 
so we were sitting there talking about projects and what we needed to get done. And um, there were some things that were just at that last little bit. You know how things just linger there and they just you just don't finish them. And it's frustrating. That happens to us often. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, it's like you've got the ball and you're running and like you're at the 90 yard line and you just stop right there at the 90 yard line. And we had to inform him that it was a 10-yard line and that there, it was 90% done, I think, was the point, but it was just a 10-yard line. So we that's a very big inside joke with our team is you can take it right to the 90-yard line and then you get stuck. So Unless there's a 90-yard line in Australian football or something like that. Exactly. He was referring to that. Exactly. <laughs> that is a good story, though, the 90-yard line. I'm going to remember that I've one. I've got other stories, but I don't think that they are able to be made public. So. All right, we'll, we'll leave Michael alone for now. Okay. Michael Michael recently had a blog post on his tools and resources, and I'm sure that was a, a big fan favorite for a lot of folks. I know I enjoyed it. I'm curious, what tools and resources and software do you use, Joy? Well, I'm not nearly as techy and geeky about that stuff as the guys are, but um, I use quite a bit of software. You know, I work from home, so obviously that's really how I get my job done. Um We just started using Insightly for our project management software, and I really, really like that. Um, That's insightly.com. We're kind of just getting into it, but it's been a big help for our team. Let's see. What else do we use? Big Skype user, obviously. Like, I do calls all day long on Skype. And uh, for fun, I like to say it's for work, but it's really fun. I'm slightly addicted to Pinterest, so... (laughs) I you know I'm a, I use Twitter I um I do use Twitter mostly because I feel like I have to you know just with my job and things Facebook I use a lot I'm a big Facebook user and I do have a blog it's funny you say that because I haven't blogged for so long but it's there in fact I told my sister I needed a new headline for it because my little tiny infant on that picture picture is now two and a half so it's definitely yes. time to. Updated. I don't know when I last blogged. It was probably last summer. It was a long time ago. Great. Well, and, now I have to. And, start, now yeah. I got to start blogging again, Jared. Jeez. <laughs> well, I'm here to convict you. But but in fairness, you you are very very busy. Well, everybody's busy. You know what? That's kind of a poor excuse these days. I don't know anyone who's not busy. So I think it's just how you choose to schedule it and the choices that you make kind of direct your day. Now, Joy, I gave the audience a little bit of background on you with the intro, but would you be willing just to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I come from a family of six kids from a blended family. My mom and stepdad got married about 25, 26 years ago. So the six of us are all one big happy bunch, actually. We all live here in Denver. Everybody's married. And grandchild 14 is going to be born any minute here, and number 15 is coming in November. So... Lots of cousins, lots of kids. It's pretty fun. Um, I've been married almost 13 years, and I met my husband at my cousin's wedding out of state. So after we we got married pretty quick, about eight months from the time that we met, and uh, moved away. We lived in St. Louis for a while, in Phoenix for a while, in Green Bay, Wisconsin for a while. And then when our third baby was born, we moved back here to Denver. So this is where I grew up, and we have our forever house on 10 acres out in the country, so we're here to stay. Are you a Peyton Manning fan? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, she totally saved us. Like we were. <laughs> it's kind of it's fun since he came. Denver is football. It's kind of like a when John Elway played. You know, it's that same kind of uh, feeling that it was back in the back in the day. But we we actually bought season tickets. My dad has let us buy part of his season tickets. So that's the first thing that we're going to do this year. Good for you. Now, Joel, you mentioned something that I want to hit on real quick, and that's that you are a mother of four and that you work from home and you are doing so many things. i got to imagine there's people that are listening to this that are going to say, hey, man, how do I get to a point where I can do something like that? What, what encouragement yeah. would you offer to mothers specifically who want to be stay-at-home moms and also enjoy work that they love? Well, here's the thing. like You really have to understand from the get-go that you cannot do it all. Um, you cannot work and have a full-time career at home and be a stay-at-home mom. It just doesn't work that way. Your kids suffer. Um, I'm going to be really transparent right now and tell you that, um, like, I have somebody here three days a week. She's here from 8 to 2, and she's upstairs with my girls right now while I'm downstairs in the basement working. So I try to just work when they sleep and get up early and stay up late so I can just do the whole full-time mom thing in the day and, um, it used to work when I wasn't didn't have this much of a of a career going, but now, you know, my job's full time. So here's my my advice would be this do not do what I do when I started. Um when I started I quit a full time job in radio and decided to start my own business as an event planner and promoter. And I didn't have any clients and we made a very specific decision to live on credit cards for a year until we got the business built up. Mm-hmm. And it took us about 10 years to pay off those credit cards. It was totally not worth it. Probably cost us, I don't even want to think about how much mm-hmm. money it cost us. Um, so I would say take it slow. Do it one step at a time. Don't just quit everything to start something new. Um, I'm a pretty spontaneous person and that was one of the spontaneous things I did that I think was not the best looking back, you know, it's been 10 years now, but looking back, that wasn't the best idea. And um, secondly, once you get to the place where you can afford it, really think about what you do that someone else can do. Um, I am really blessed right now. I have someone that comes and cleans my house twice a month. Mm -hmm. And it felt like such a ridiculous luxury, but the amount of money that I pay them for the time that it saves me, um, you know, when I look at my time as what my time is worth, which is probably my most valuable commodity, it definitely pays to have someone else come in. I just hired someone to paint two rooms in my house. I'm a terrible painter, first of all. It would look awful if I did it. But it would also take me a day and a half, and they literally can do it in, they can do a whole bedroom in 45 minutes, you know. So um, stuff like that, what can somebody else do so that my time is spent doing my work, the only I can do, and also I can schedule when to shut that off, and because other stuff's taken care of, then when I want to be a mom, I can just be a mom. I will tell you this, though. The huge benefit to staying at home and working from home is that I set my schedule. So, you know, I'm the president of my kids' PTO at school, and I can go to school and do work when I need to, and I can go to their preschool stuff in the middle of the day and run kids to dentists and doctors. So all that mom stuff, I don't, I get to do all of that. And, um, truthfully at the end of the day, that stuff comes first, you know, the work will always be there, right? Always. Sure. Always. always. Joy, how did you get connected with Ken Davis and Michael Hyatt? Um, well, Ken, Ken Davis's daughter, her name is Tracy. 
one of his two daughters, Tracy and Taryn. And Tracy and I have been best friends since we were about 11 years old. So I grew up in Ken and Diane's house. And um, when I was about 10 years ago, I wanted to start my own business, like I mentioned. And um, mostly that was so I could stay home with Jacob when he was a baby. And Ken's manager at the time, his uh, name was Danny. So Danny hired me to basically be a secretary. So when Ken would go do a show, I would be in charge of getting the posters printed and the tickets printed and mailed. And 10 years ago, we still did all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so that's how I started actually working for Ken. Um, and then Brian Shear, who's my business partner, is married to Tracy. So at the time, <laughs> Brian was Ken's road manager. And then just over the last 10 years, our jobs have kind of morphed and changed. And um, since November of 2009, Brian and I have co-managed Ken. So we um, take care of his entire career between the two of us. And then about that same time, uh, Ken and Michael are friends. Um, they all live in Franklin, Tennessee, you know, Jared, everybody cool lives in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, apparently, that's what, yes. That's what the people that live there say anyway. Um, <laughs> but they were friends, and so Michael hired Brian and I to start booking his speaking engagements when he was still at Thomas Nelson. And then when he left, we gave it a tryout for a few months, and then he had us start um, managing him full-time as well. So that's kind of how that all came about. Excellent. And I know you're associated with Dynamic Communicators. Can you explain what Dynamic Communicators is? Dynamic Communicators is a company that's co-owned 50-50 by Michael and Ken. And we produce three online, soon-to-be online, and in-person conferences for communicators each year. So the platform conference, um, we just had our first one in February. It was a huge success. Um, the platform conference teaches you how to build and elevate your platform. The launch conference, which the next one will be in September in Vail, Colorado, the launch conference teaches you the business side of speaking. And basically, for those of you sitting at home that want to make speaking, writing, blogging, podcasting, you want to make that your career, we teach you kind of the business side of that, how to find your market, set your value, um, and determine what your products will be. And then the SCORE conference, um, the SCORE conference is teaches you preparatory and presentation skills for speaking. Mostly preparatory, though. Um, how do you prepare what you're going to talk about? And Ken has been teaching SCORE. He created this process about 30 years ago. Um, we've had thousands and thousands of people go through it. And um, our next one's in May. It's totally sold out with a waiting list. And we're pretty, I love going to SCORE. It's a great thing. Are you coming to SCORE, Jared? I will be at SCORE. Sweet. It's gonna I'm be excited. Awesome. It's going to be awesome. And it's in Orlando. I mean, it's been snowing at my house for three days, so at least it'll be warm there. I'm looking forward to that. Anything for Dynamic Communicators, um, dynamiccommunicators.com. You can get information about all three conferences there. And we will have online training of all three conferences available yet this year. So those, are all, those are all at the 90-yard line right now. <laughs> well said. I'm so excited. I just can't hide. Joy, one of your strengths is taking in an idea from a visionary stage to something that's actually sitting on a shelf or a virtual shelf. And I'm wondering, what is an example of an idea that became a reality? And, and would you be willing to maybe talk 
about the process? Sure. You know, I think the platform conference would be a good one to use as an example. Um, the platform conference, well, first of all, when you work for Michael Hyatt and Ken Davis, um, ideas are never an issue. Like we have way more ideas than we can ever get through. And we are careful to kind of let the best one rise to the top before we actually get started on something. But the platform conference just came out of the success of the book platform. And what we wanted to do was bring like-minded people together who were all wanting to or in the process of building their platform and introduce them to some of the best minds out there who are actually doing the work already to see what would happen. So we decided to um, say we wanted to do an in-person conference for two, two and a half days and then later transfer that, film it, and transfer it to uh, online training that could be viewed from people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that idea to make, to pull a conference together, I don't know if you've ever been involved, but it's pretty intense, you know, sure. when you're creating from scratch. We had to figure out who the speakers would be, why we chose them, what would they talk about. Um, you know, we had to really follow the structure of the book. And um, the first part of the book is, you know, creating WOW. So through the whole creation process, it was how can we put wow into everything we do at this conference? And from, you know, the minute you get there to the food, to the speakers you hear, to the resources you're given. And we tried to weave that in through the whole entire thing. Um, We filmed it, which was a stressful process. I have yet to have an easy peasy filming process. Um, and we're right now going through the editing process on that so that eventually it will sit on a virtual shelf and be available to everyone. So it's, um, it's something that's hard. And the longer we go through these, or the longer we do this and the more projects like this we take from start to finish, you know, Jared, you learn so much about what works and what doesn't and who can you hire to, to do the parts that they specialize in. And mm-hmm. I think we really find that the more experts you hire for their specific piece, the better off you'll be. Speaking of what works and what doesn't, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share tips and best practices for the following topics. And the first one is team. Um, you know, our team, really our team used to be just me and Brian. Um, and we kind of did everything. And then as we've been growing, um, what we've been trying to do is to find people who specialize in various areas and plug them in. For example, um, Michael and Ken both write their own blogs. They both do all of their own social media. And you get to a place, though, especially in today's atmosphere, where you really have to be very intentional, I think, about how you're building your social media and why. And so we've hired somebody, her name is Rebecca, and that's what she specializes in. So the content still comes from them, but we are uh, intentional about how we post and what we post and how often we post and how things all go together across mediums. And that's all come because we've hired somebody who specializes in that. we hired someone just to produce Michael's podcast. He used to do it all by himself, and it was hours of time that we could give to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, after Dynamic Communicators, Brian and I run those for Michael and Ken as well. And after those really got going, you know, we've hired Lauren, who now Lauren handles all the logistics for SCORE. So I'm not planning meals at hotels or who's sleeping where and 
you know, what the AV guys are doing. That's all Lauren's job now. So really, instead of going out and hiring somebody full-time, we've kind of taken pieces of our world and farmed out pieces to individuals. Some are employees, most are not. Um, but that's the way it works best for us to build team. And we're very virtual. Um, most Brian, Lauren, Ken, and Michael are all in Franklin, but they're all in different places. I'm in Colorado. We're all over the place. You know, we've got people in Canada and we've got people in Florida and we're very lucky. I think you'd agree in this time and space to be able to find the best people for the job and where you live doesn't matter anymore. Being productive. Oh, you should talk to Brian. He's way more productive than I am. <laughs> what would Brian say? Oh, he would say I have bad processes and need better systems. <laughs> I I would work around a bad system for a long time just because I don't like to take the time to create the system, you know. Um, that's what he's so good at. Being productive, um, I think in the last year I've really learned that, that while I think I'm good at multitasking, it doesn't always get the job done the way it should. So for me, being productive, um, I've got a separate space in my house for an actual office. Mm-hmm. That's not just a corner of the kitchen table like I usually work. Um, I've also learned being productive. We've got some um, systems we're using now that as our team grows and is spread out, I've really got to get everything out of my brain and down somewhere where other people can view it. And that by me, that helps me because now I can delegate tasks because they're out of my head and on paper. Um, so that really helps me to be more productive. And then obviously without Google Calendar, I would be totally lost completely. So sure. productivity, I work on that all the time, all the time. We, we mentioned earlier projects that are started, but what about finishing projects? You know, I think the best practice for finishing is just when you get to that end that I don't know why, maybe I don't know if you feel like this, but that resistance just kicks your butt at the very end. And it happens all the time. And it's nice to know it's not just us, but um, you just get to that last place. I think part of how we can beat that, which is what we're starting now, is just to have your project, you know, have milestones laid out, have a timeline laid out so that you have something you're working towards. Um, make sure you have a launch date. doesn't mean it's not going to change, but I think that if you scope the whole thing out from beginning to end before you start, then when you get to that place where it's difficult, at least you have some structure, you know, when it needs to be done and um, that should help. I'll tell you, that's a work in progress for us and it's something that I hope by the end of this year, I'll be able to report our exact best practices on that one. <laughs> Joy, last year, you did something amazing with your team, of course, but Michael Hyatt, he was able to write platform and then release that and then make it to the New York Times bestseller list. And I'm curious, what does it take to make it on the New York Times bestseller list? And what advice do you have for authors and aspiring authors who hope to accomplish that goal someday? You know, it's such a, there's no science to it. I mean, you can give it your best shot and there's some good ideas of how it works and how many you need and what it will take. And it's just really hard to say exactly what to do. Um, What we did worked for us. You know, we asked all of our tribe to not buy until a specific day. And we gave them a bunch of free bonuses when they emailed us their receipt. And we had over 10,000 people turn in receipts in the first two or three days. Excellent. And so, you know, for us, 
oh, I don't know if I have the numbers right, but I want to say what we could tell, we got about twelve to 13,000 receipts in that first week. So um, we made the list the first week. But the second week, as far as I can tell, we sold more books than the first week and we fell off the list. So, you know, the New York Times, they figure it so funny, Jared. They, you know, if all your orders come through one place like Amazon, you get penalized. Well, we're an online blog. Most of our orders are going to come through online sources and most people, as you well know, use Amazon. So um, maybe that's why we fell off because too many orders came through one place. You know, they want it to go through brick and mortar and different online retailers and ebooks don't count, but hardback books do and ebooks have their own list. And so it's just all over the place. Um, it was important for us. It's great to be able to put that on the book. That's our goal for Michael's next book that's coming out next summer. Um, I think as far as authors and aspiring authors who want to accomplish that goal, whew, the best thing you can do is start building your platform now. Like Michael says, build your platform before you need it. That's the best time to do it. If you're already under contract and you're writing your book, spend all your time building your platform. That's really what publishers, they care today. Who are you going to sell books to? Who are going to buy your book because they already know you and want to buy what you have to write? Um, it's not enough just to be a good writer. In fact, I hate to say it, but that's probably not as important as who listens to you. So whether it's a blog or a podcast or whatever you choose to do, I think that having a large platform that you are giving, giving, giving to, that way when your book comes out and you need to ask them to help you, you know, you haven't worn them out and they're ready to help you because they trust you, they like to listen to what you have to say, and um, that tribe of people is probably your best bet to make a list, whether it's Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Amazon, New York Times, whatever. I would say that that's really where you need to focus your efforts on. Joy, who's doing something that interests you right now? Hmm. Who's doing something outside of us? Um, you know, I just, I'm right in the middle. I should be finished because it's the last week, but I'm about week four out of six right now. I'm doing um, Marie Forleo's B-School. Okay. Um, it's pretty awesome and technically it's for women, but there's a lot of men that take it too. And it's like everything you ever wanted to know about having an online business really has been very helpful to me. Um, I really like what she's doing. And since, um, we started platform university, Stu McLaren, who works with wishlist member, he created that software with his team. Um, what those guys do and the, possibilities with membership sites is just blowing my mind. Like I think, mm -hmm. how can the Cupcake Tower have a membership site and how can I have one? Because, wow, the income potential is really, really big. Those are both very cool. And then um, John Acuff's new book, Start, comes out in a couple weeks. And from the trailer I've seen and the little bit I've got to read, very, very cool thinking in that book, Start, as well. Joy, what is the best place for people to connect with you online? <laughs> um, probably you could go to my blog, and hopefully by the time this airs, I've actually written another post. In fact, I think I will, just for this purpose. <laughs> I'll talk about talking to you. Great. Um, you can easily go to joyjoyg.com, or um, Twitter's a great place. It's at joyjoyg, and um, I'm on there all the time. And Pinterest. And Pinterest. Oh, <laughs> I finally made a board of the things I actually have done on Pinterest. I think I'm Joy Joy G on there too, but 
um, my boards of things I want to do are way bigger than the ones I've actually accomplished. <laughs> oh, that goes back to that finishing the project. Exactly. Well, that's just too many things. You can only paint so many rooms before you're out of rooms to paint, you know? Great job, Joy. I really enjoyed interviewing her. If you want to say hello to Joy, you can do that by going to Twitter. She's at JoyJoyG. Do me a favor. Go ahead and tweet to her. Say hello. Tell her you enjoyed the episode. Also, did you enjoy the kings of podcasting? Those guys are great. Cesar Abid, he's found at RemonTech.com. That's R-E-M-O-N-T-E-C-H.com. Dustin Hartzler is at YourWebsiteEngineer.com. And Peter Adal is at 168Opportunities.com. I have links to all the those guys and their Twitter in the show notes. So please stop by and check those guys out. Start following them. And if you want, say hello to them and and thank them for being on the show today. It's the kings of podcasting. They're going to be back soon. I got some questions recently and one of them stood out to me and that's from Michael Good. He writes, way to go with the podcast, Jared. Do you get into your story on any of your shows? I'd love to hear more of your story and how the podcast came about. Michael, thanks for the question. I am just a normal guy like everybody else, but I've been so inspired by people like Pat Flynn and Cliff Ravenscraft and Chris Brogan and John Dumas and... Jason Van Orden and Jeremy Franson and I, I could just name names. Dan Miller, Michael Hyatt. All these people have inspired me. John Acuff, all these guys. And I knew it's time to do something. It's time to just step out of the norm and, and do something bigger and better, farther and faster. <laughs> so the podcast is my baby step. I'm just brand new at this and I'm learning, but I'm thrilled to talk to some good people and learn from them and share that with you guys. But I live in Coral Springs, Florida, and I'm excited. I'm doing the podcast. I'm really into public speaking. My goal is to do more public speaking. I'm also planning to write and launch my first Kindle book coming this summer. So there's a lot more to me than that, obviously, and I'd be happy to to talk with you off the podcast more about what I'm up to and what I'm doing. I want to give a huge shout out to a new friend, Jonathan Harrison. I met this guy at a conference recently. We both went to the conference only, (laughs) this is funny, only to see Michael Hyatt. And I met John there and we started talking and just hit it off right away. Very like-minded. And John's doing something really cool. He's just started his blog, so he's brand new, but I love what he's doing. I love his mindset. Please, please, please consider going and checking out his blog. It's johndharrison.com, J-O-N-D, Harrison, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N.com, johndharrison.com. Check it out. Leave him a comment or tweet to him. He's a superstar guy. He's got some great ideas. Definitely the kind of person you want to connect with. He's starving the doubts, and it's exciting to point to him and introduce people to what he's doing. I also want to thank Clark Buckner recently. He and I had a little bit of a Twitter conversation talking about Frontier Ranch and Windy Gap and some Young Life camping stuff that I used to do back in the day that came out in the Andy Traub interview in the last episode. 
The next episode is with John Acuff. He just wrote the book Start. It just came out. It's an awesome book. I've got a free copy of that book I'm going to be giving away, and I'll talk about that in the next episode. Please consider leaving a review and a comment in iTunes. That really helps the show to move on up in iTunes New and Noteworthy. If you just take a moment and do that, that helps me out a lot. I really appreciate the consideration there, and I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me. The best way is to connect with me on Google+. I'd love to learn about what you're into, what you're excited and passionate about. Again, the best way for all of us to take things to the next level is to help each other out. In the meantime, always treat others the way that they want to be treated. Always do your best and start the doubts. Oops, I almost forgot my boy Travis. <laughs> Not cool. Hey, Travis, take it away, man. Hi, my name is Travis Robbins, and I was asked by Jared to give you guys a quick story about a conference that I went to this past weekend. So I, I got a ticket to this conference called Internet Profits Live um, from Jeremy Van Orden. And if you don't know him, you should. Um, I'm in his Internet Business Mastery Academy, which is a course uh, about getting your online business uh, up online. Uh, so I heard about Jeremy actually through Pat Flynn, who a lot of you guys know um, because he had talked about him on a previous podcast. So I was excited that both these guys were actually going to the conference and speaking at it. So um, they do a cool thing at this conference where it's a two-minute drill where you get to meet all the speakers. And on the first day, I got to meet Pat Flynn. And as soon as I started to talk to him, I, I felt like I already knew him because of everything that he does through his podcast. So um, it was a really cool connection that I made with him. Um, and the next day, there was a speaker, uh, Solhel Khan, that actually uh, talked about meeting influential people. So they, he said one of his big tactics was, uh, hey, you know, if someone's at a conference, um, at, go up to him and ask him, hey, um, is anybody buying you lunch tomorrow? So after he got done talking, of course, there was 10 people around Pat Flynn asking him if they wanted to do lunch. So we had another meet and greet with Pat Flynn later that day at lunch, and I asked him, hey, did a lot of people ask you to, for lunch uh, today after the talk? I said, yeah. I said, well, is anybody buying you breakfast tomorrow? He said, no. So uh, I set up a, a meeting with him um, to do breakfast with him in the morning uh, the following day, the day that he was actually speaking, which was pretty cool. So um, later that night, um, I got to hang out with uh, both Jason and Pat at a meet and greet that they did. And I got to talk to, to Jason about you know, what's the difference between the people that do well in your academy and the people that end up not succeeding and kind of quitting and 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 he said, you know, the biggest thing is that you need to take action. Just start taking action and things will kind of fall in place. And although I had, I had heard that a ton of times, when you hear it from him, it just makes a ton more sense for some reason. So um, we ended up, you know, hanging out. I walked back to the hotel um, and out of a cab hops Pat Flynn because he had been giving away all the extra pieces of pizza that we had from the dinner to uh, homeless people in the area. So we all walk into the hotel, we get in the elevator, head back up to our rooms. And it's just this really weird moment that I'll just kind of never forget. And it was really a feeling of, you know, these are just normal guys. You know, they're not that much different than me. They're just people that want to help people. They want to put good information out on the internet. You know, why can't I do this? And just that interaction alone was amazing. Um, so I had breakfast the next morning with Pat Flynn. I mean, I just took notes the whole time. 
Um, he gave me such great information and such amazing guidance and just answered a ton of questions that I had. Um, and then, you know, we went to the conference and, and he spoke that day and Jason spoke that day. Um, and they just did an amazing job of presenting the information that they had. So, you know, the two things that I would say to you is that, you know, if you want to get anything done in life, no matter what it is, if it's online or in a business, whatever you're doing, you got to start taking action. T- take action. Good things will happen. Things will kind of line up to help you out. Um, and the other thing is just ask, you know. I, I just went up to these guys and just asked them questions. And I just asked Pat if he would have breakfast with me, you know, and he did. And I got so much great information out of it. And if I hadn't taken action and just asked people for help, then, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now, which is in a place where I feel like I have direction and I know exactly what to do. Now all I have to do is just keep taking action. So, uh, guys, just take my advice there. I want to thank Jerry for, um, having me on and, uh, hope to talk to you soon.